Hello and welcome to the Reaccess podcast. My name is Anna and I am a host of today's episode titled Campus to Campus Talks. And my co-host is amazing Alina. Today we're going to talk about immersion camps and the role of camp counselors in them both as role models and educators. Welcome our special guest Tabitha Kidwell. She teaches in TESOL program at American University of Washington DC and holds PhD at Applied Linguistic and Language Education from the University of Maryland. Tabitha especially enjoys working with English teachers and students in the immersion camp setting. She has led camp programs in Indonesia, the Dominican Republic, Madagascar, Tanzania and the US. Welcome. Nice to see you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here speaking with you. Me too, me too. Okay, let's start with a great idea Tabitha shared with us recently and think about the difference between a teacher and a camp counselor. Yeah, when I think about the differences between a teacher and a camp counselor, the number one difference that I think about is that camp counselors don't formally assess learning. So that's a major responsibility of an English teacher, but not so much for a camp counselor because we want camp environments to be low stakes. We want students to feel comfortable using and experimenting with English. Um, so counselors might conduct formative assessments to measure how well students are doing, to determine how they can help students engage more effectively, but they're not giving grades. They're not giving tests. So that's the one where I think there's the biggest difference. And then otherwise, um, the relationship's just a little bit different because camp counselors need to build relationships with campers that isn't so set as a teacher-student relationship that we're mostly familiar with. So counselors and campers sort of get to know each other as people. You're not peers. You're not friends because counselors are still in a position of responsibility but you have a unique opportunity to build relationship with um, a camper in a way that you can act as a role model. So counselors have a lot of life experiences that they can share with the campers and counselors can help model, you know, trying new things, accepting differences, treating others with respect. Um, a teacher is also a role model, but a camp counselor is a little bit more sort of just directly accessible to students. And then lastly, a difference I would mention is that camp counselors have more license to be goofy and fun. Teachers, you know, feel a little bit of pressure to be formal. You know, maybe your colleagues are expecting a certain level of formality. But at camp, we have the chance to really depart from the teacher persona and, you know, play games, sing silly songs, um, show our sense of humor a little bit more. And really do anything that the campers are asked to do so that we can show that it's an appropriate activity to be doing. So those are the biggest differences I see. Oh, that's quite quite interesting. And um, I, I was working as a camp counselor a little bit and I have little experience, uh, you know, but uh, can you tell us what the advantages for counselors in working in immersion camp? Definitely. So working in an immersion camp is a great way to help students not only learn English as they do in English class, so, you know, studying the grammar, the vocabulary, the structure, but acquire English. So use it in context, have experiences listening, reading, speaking, and just engaging with others in English is a little bit more 
of a natural learning process. So it's a little bit more like the way children learn their first language. So it will result in more, more meaningful language opportunities, language learning opportunities. And then beyond English learning, I think also camps are just a great way to support students or campers' holistic development. So especially because camps often are for students who are teenagers or young adults, that's a really pivotal point in human development when you're making decisions about what you want to study, what career you want to do, what kind of family you want to have. And just kind of what kind of person you want to be in your life. So having the support of camp counselors to help think through those big decisions and those big transitions can be really meaningful. My question would be about your experience. So as Anna said that she had a little experience as a camp counselor, Tabitha, you said that we heard that you have a great experience and you have worked in many places of the world. So what was your favorite place in the world and what was your favorite camp in the world <laughs> and why did you like working there? That, yeah, that, thank you for the question. It's a hard question because every experience is so different. Um, so if you don't mind, I'll share two major experiences that come to mind right away. Um, the first is the camp where that I grew up in called Camp Akita in Southern Ohio in the United States. Um, and this was a camp that I went to probably from age nine to age 17 as a camper. And then I worked there when I was a university student. Um, and so it's a camp that's very close to my heart and a, it's very close to my own development um, because it was a place where you know, learn the value of um, community service and supporting others and um, thinking about the needs of other people in addition to my own. And I think was a big part of my decision to become a teacher and to engage in, you know, a service um, profession um, that is hoping, hopefully, you know, improving the world rather than only making money. That was really my foundation as a camp counselor and my initial experience with camps. And then I suppose the first major camp program I planned internationally was a program for access students in Indonesia. And it was the first national access camp for Indonesia. And Indonesia is a really, really huge country. All the way from one end to another, it seems like it's not so big because it's mostly water, but it's actually the size of the United States. Um, so it's quite large. It spans, you know, four time zones. It's a really large place. So the students from one end in Sumatra are different from the students all the way in the other end in Papua. So to bring students from all of those different locations together was a really exciting way to engage them in intercultural learning and the development of respect for people different from themselves, and just a chance to practice English with people um, even from their own country, but that had really different experiences. And that was just such a fun camp because they were so enthusiastic. Many of them had never traveled before. So to go on an airplane to Jakarta and then go to um, like a outdoor center for this three-day camp was really, really exciting for them. So we did a lot of different 
activities. We did sports. We did music. We did singing. We did poetry writing. We did journal writing and self-reflection. And they, by the end of the camp, were had established relationships and friendships with people from entirely different parts of Indonesia they would have never met before. They had the chance to think about their own identities and their futures. And they really just had a lot of fun. So it was a really, really fun camp experience. Wow. Wow. That's so exciting. Sounds amazing. Yeah. It was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. So you're describing this and I'm like having this wonderful feeling inside of me that, that I really want to work in an international camp too. And so I hope that one day my dream will come true. Wow. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Or even just keep in, in mind, just even a national camp that would bring, you know, students together from across Russia, I imagine also are just as diverse. I really wanted to add a little bit here yeah. because it's like our experience on a year in Arlunak. Yes, uh, it's yes. actually, I'm originally from and Anna joined a couple of years ago and some other alumni. And that's what we are trying to do next. It will be in August, but it will be some campaign for adults let's say so not for for our adult alumni not for um young campers and here is a question from me uh how can you describe a camper is it always a student or a young person or it could be anybody i mean the age group does it vary how can you describe it yeah that's a great question so i think most typically it is a young person and that's just the way that most camps are designed But you, there's no reason that you ever have to stop being a camper. Um, it, I would love to continue to attend camp myself. There just aren't so many opportunities as an adult to do so. So I suppose when adults go to camps, they're more often called, you know, retreats or like educational programs or, um, you know, it still happens. It just goes by different names. So it's a little bit different just because all adults are a little bit more self-directed. You know, it's not their parents saying, go do this. It'll be fun. You know, you'll be out of the house for a week. <laughs> adults are really purposeful about what kind of activities that they're spending their time and money on. Um, because often you have to, you know, take a leave from work and that's your, you know, vacation for the year. As adults are more motivated. They've made the choice to be there. So valuable because so often as adults, We get stuck in our ruts, we go to work, we have our our friends and our family, and we don't often build new relationships or have new experiences. So I'm so excited to hear about your camp for adults. I think it's a really great opportunity. And you know, I'm I'm work I was working in a summer access camp as a counselor. And for me, it was uh It was amazing because uh, summer access camp is a uh, high uh, vibe energy and also it's creativity and it's a lot of uh, great uh, a lot of great people uh, in one place and uh, also it was um, great majority of new knowledge and uh, good mood always uh, people always smiling mm -hmm. and have fun yeah and uh, also. It, it was a great experience for me in uh, cooperation and communication with another people. So my next question will be, what are some tricks and things uh, everyone should know before starting planning a camp? Oh, gosh. So <clears throat> that's a big question. So I guess going into planning a camp, there are a few elements for a camp that I think need some reflection. 
before you go in and start thinking about the fun activities you're going to do, you need to start with more of a foundation. And I think that foundation consists of first deciding on your priorities for the camp. So is your priority to have people practice English together? Is it for them to, you know, develop appreciation of nature? Is it for them to develop their own personal skills in terms of creativity or to gain a certain set of knowledge, like um, learn more about STEM? And, uh, you know, how are you considering the needs to establish and protect the health and safety of the campers? Um, So thinking about the priorities of a camp can be really important, really helpful, Um, rather than just going in and saying, okay, I hope everybody has fun. Thinking about, you know, what are your real, real goals? I guess by priorities, really, I mean goals. What's the purpose of your camp? And what are you going to prioritize? And then I think a second piece to consider is, you know, what's the focus of your camp? And it's a little bit related to those priorities, but so the focus or the theme of your camp, is it a community service camp? Is it um, like a theater camp or an arts-based camp? So, or is it is it really just an English immersion camp to help people develop their English? If it is, could you structure it as like a cultural appreciation camp and thinking about world travel and engaging with people around the world? So giving just a little bit of a focus to the camp so that it's um, there's a little bit more direction rather than just getting together in nature and having fun for a week. What's the purpose and what's the what are the goals of bringing people together? So those aren't really like easy tips or tricks. In fact, that's actually kind of difficult. But I think those are that's what's really important to, to consider as you begin to plan a camp. Yes, I absolutely agree that it depends on uh, goals and purposes uh, that Mm -hmm. you have. Yeah. My question would also be about planning. So how much time does it usually take to plan a program for a 21-day summer camp? Oh, a 21-day summer camp. Um, I imagine quite a lot of time. I've actually never planned such a long camp as that. Most of my camps... I guess all of my camps have never been longer than one week, even if I've run that program again for a new group of students. So to have students for 21 days um, would require quite a bit of planning. So in terms of um, how long would it take, I guess you have to think about that in two, two ways. First, like how long, how early should you start to plan? How early should you start to think about it? And in that case, you know, you probably need to think about it six months to a year ahead of time to reserve the location, to um, start to recruit your um, camp counselors and camp leaders so that they can be available during that time. And then in the six months leading up to the camp to start to actually get the materials, do the recruiting, um, do the publicity of the camp. And then in the probably two months before the camp to start to really make the camp plan. And then in terms of the number of hours or the time commitment of planning, typically, so planning a camp is is in many ways very similar to planning an English lesson. 
And when I work with novice English teachers, I tell them when they're first planning a lesson, um, before they develop a lot of automaticity as lesson planners, they should plan to spend twice as much time planning as the actual teaching. So if you're preparing a one-hour lesson, you're likely to spend two hours preparing it. And I think that's that's the same for planning a camp. So it's a little bit different with a, a, a camp of 21 days because probably going in, you'll really only have the first week or so planned in detail because you'll need to get to know your campers and get to know what goes well, what doesn't go well. So you won't necessarily have to have that full 21 days planned in detail beforehand, but you want the overall structure, um, you know, of what is happening at what times during the day, what type of activities are you doing throughout the day. And then you can a little bit be planning as you go at that point. But I would say to prepare for a 21 day camp would probably be, you know, two or three full work weeks, you know, like probably I'd say like a hundred hours if it's just one person um, to lay the foundation and start to do it. And that's why ideally it would not be just one person. Ideally, you'd be working with a team where you can divide it up, where you can take on tasks and where you can share your ideas with each other. Two heads are better than one and 12 heads are better than two. So the more people involved, the higher quality a camp can be. Because it is yeah, a, significant, a significant time commitment. Yes. Yeah. Preparation. Preparation mm -hmm. is very important. And uh, when you, you work in a team, it's easier, you know, uh, to mm -hmm. prepare. And it's uh, uh, not quite a long time to take. Yeah. So. Uh, do you know uh, how to make a camp interesting and uh, what events or activities are you doing in your summer camp? Mm. So how to make a camp interesting depends on the interests of your student or your campers. So the first step in making a camp interesting is learning about the interests of the campers who will be attending. And in some respects, this, this goes both ways. So if you are recruiting students and you've planned a science camp, you'll recruit students interested in science. Um, but if you're planning a more general camp and you recruit students, you might begin by learning about sending them a survey or doing some interviews with some of them when they sign up to learn about their interests so that you can plan some camp activities that will be interesting to them. But then also to make a camp interesting, um, I think it's just wise to plan a wide variety of activities. So we have this saying in English, diversity is the spice of life. And I think diverse camp activities are what make make camp they're what makes camp interesting. So you'll want to have some activities that are quiet, more introspective, more creative, maybe more arts-based or more reflection-based, small group discussions, um, time to journal, time to write. That'll be really appeal to some campers. And then you also want exciting, you know, outdoor activities that are games and sports and active and running around and competition. You'll want to have some music activities like songs and um, possibly dancing. So just having a wide variety of different types of activities ensures that even if certain campers have certain interests, all of their interests will be 
um, stoked throughout the day. So I'd say just thinking about how to plan a variety of activities within each camp day to keep students engaged. That's very interesting how Elena asked this question about 21 days. We did not discuss it before, and that's wonderful <laughs> because uh, it was actually the first thing we saw in the U.S., in our Russian tradition, we have this 21 days. I don't know how it came and where it came from, but uh, in the U.S., we usually saw this one week or two week with uh, this overnight or, or something. Yeah. Uh, but I've also heard that in the U.S. many, many years ago, when it's only started, it was also about 40, or maybe 30 days. Mm -hmm. And we have also the same, but mm -hmm. the camps were usually for, for boys, not for girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the same. Uh, but um, I also have a question, and it's more maybe connected with our previous topic, camp councils, but also connected with establishing camps. It's about challenges and homesick. Mm -hmm. Because I remember my first experience. It wasn't my camper. It was a camper for, from another team, but I wanted to support and to help our camp counselor. American camp counselor. And we uh, tried to do a lot because a child wanted to go home. Mm -hmm. He said, you know what, guys, I'm homesick and that's enough. So um, I know that there is no recipe and every situation is individual. But what may be helpful for, um, let's say, young camp counselors to handle it? What should they do first? Should they ask many questions or should they direct their assistant or maybe camp director and even when you camp director what are the tips yeah mm -hmm. because we in russia particularly in our big camp Arlonic, where we all from we had um, so a consultation system like coaches and trainers mm -hmm. small camps i guess and small programs we don't have this opportunity mm -hmm. so maybe some tips yeah so homesickness at its heart is about discomfort being uncomfortable or unfamiliar with the new situation. So when a camper feels uncomfortable, when they don't know what to expect, when they don't feel confident in their new camp situation, they'll have this impulse, I want to go home. I want to go back to where I'm comfortable, where I know my friends and family will behave the certain way I'm accustomed to, and I want to go back to what's comfortable. I would say the, the trick is to try and help them become comfortable at the camp. How to do that is challenging. As you said, there's no recipe. But one of the key ingredients is relationships. So as you said, you know, there are counselors, there are trainers. Um, so if there are adults who are working with the camper or sort of camp leaders who are working with the camper, it's really important for them to establish a positive relationship with that camper and let that camper know that they can trust the camp leader to discuss when they are feeling uncomfortable. But also it's so important to have strong relationships with other campers. And so once those relationships are in place, the camper has more of a support system to help them when they do have those feelings of discomfort. And then I think the second ingredient for a possible recipe um, is engagement. So um, I have a toddler now. I have a two-year-old son. And, you know, so, sometimes toddlers get upset 
and they, you know, want to have a certain food at a certain time, but they can't explain that. Who knows? They get upset about whatever. So I just distract him. I say, oh, look at this cow. Wow. Moo. And he'll say, oh, wow. So um, when toddlers behave that way, they're they're building on this, you know, basic human um, system where if we're upset about something, we just have trouble um, engaging. But if we can get distracted and look at something else, it's easy to forget what we were upset about. And so with campers too, if they're upset about um, being away from home, the best way to forget about that is to get really engaged with where they are. And so finding the activities that that camper likes to do. Maybe they're not the big, loud outdoor activities. Often for campers who are homesick, they prefer more quiet, introverted activities. So maybe that camper will feel more comfortable doing art activities with other students who are interested in that. Maybe that camper will prefer smaller group discussions rather than large camp games. But finding what activities that camper feels comfortable doing is really essential to help that camper feel comfortable at camp. Um, and helping them know, you know, what to expect, what's going to happen when, what activities are coming up, to know that their needs will be met, to know that they'll have a comfortable place to sleep and eat, and um, to just not have too much concern about the differences from home is really essential. So that I think some of the key ingredients to helping overcome homesickness our relationships with camp leaders and with other campers and engagement in camp activities, figuring out how to get that camp, that camper engaged. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Relationship and trust, I guess that's the key words here. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, Tabitha. It was really nice to meet you and we all appreciate your answers. And we're so thankful to meet such an amazing person with the great experience that you have taught so many interesting things to us. You have inspired us. So we want to say thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was really my pleasure. I really enjoyed speaking with you all. Thank you. It was a pleasure to see you.